I died many years ago. It wasn't the first time, and it certainly won't be the last. I had made it to 83 before I left behind my legacy of children, grandchildren, and a sassy old cat that I still do not miss. My husband Frank, a gentleman and had a great spirit, died about six years before I did. I hope his new life has been treating him well. Seconds after my last breath on earth, I took my very next in the cinema. I looked around at all my past lives with fond memories. They all smiled in return. As I sat down into my seat, a golden retriever hopped up next to me. I loved being that dog. The freedom, the belly rubs, there's nothing like it. I looked across the theater to my right and noticed the toddler sweetly playing with her doll. A pang of immense sadness grew in my heart. My poor mother, watching her spirit slowly die along with my teeny fragile body was the worst. Screw cancer. The room became dark as the screen in front of us flashed to white. Here we go. I watched myself be born. Hey, our parents look wealthy. Maybe I'll try out Harvard this round. Get that master's degree in psychology we've always dreamed of. We all googled at the thought. I was going to be a boy this time. A blonde boy. Interesting. I'm usually a brunette. Something was different, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Why were my eyes so dark? Are they always that dark after birth? A shiver ran down my spine. We all sat in silence, patiently waiting to see who we would grow up to be. That's when I looked at me. I looked directly into the camera and gave the most sinister smile, almost as if... as if... I... knew. How would that be possible, though? We weren't allowed access to our old memories until we passed on. The screen turned black and all at once the rest of my incarnations glanced in my direction. Eyes wide, mouth open. We were speechless. Normally, we get to see what our life entails. Why was this different? I gave a small shrug and before I knew it, I was born. Things are different this time. I remember everything, every life, every death, but it's almost as if I'm trapped inside my own body. My thoughts have changed. I find myself fixating on details I never would have noticed in my past lives. Some days I have no feelings at all, while other days I feel everything at once, but on a heightened level, like an itch I just can't seem to scratch. I'm 17 now, and I've done things I wish I hadn't horrible things. Poor Ducky. She was she was a good loyal dog. I remember the soft kisses she gave me as I eagerly slit her throat. I remember the feeling it gave me to run my fingers through the warm blood. Why does she have to die? To watch her bleed, the voice in my head taunts. Ah, oh, that's right. I look down in shame and understanding. I'm at the park right now, watching, waiting, I watch as a child runs away from her mother, chasing after a butterfly. I used to enjoy life like that, back when I felt free, back when I was someone else, something else, back when I didn't fantasize about how much blood could pour out of a single vessel. Now, her, my inner demon hisses. Interrupting my thoughts, I feel my body tense as a young woman passes by. My eyes instantly target in on her jugular. I wonder if humans make the same gurgling sounds like the animals do. 
I think I'll find out. Everyone has that one terrifying nightmare from their childhood. They still remember to this day. But what happens when they found out that it was real? When my brother James and I were growing up, our family lived in an old Victorian-style home located in Massachusetts. It was very secluded, with our nearest neighbor being maybe a mile away. We would spend most of our days outside, in the treehouse our father had built, as we made up stories of pirates and treasures. I was always Blackbeard, while James would be Calico. We were the unstoppable duo of the high seas. There was a special hole in the middle of the tree where we would hide our stolen treasure. As exciting as our tree house was though, I would have to say the best part about our home was our nanny. She was so thoughtful and fun, the best nanny any child could ask for. At night, we would hear a soft humming sound that echoed through our whole room. It would lull us to sleep, enveloping our minds with such a calmness that we barely had any dreams. Only that soft, sweet hum from Nanny. Some nights though, James and I would startle awake, both having the same nightmare. Frequently, it involved not being able to breathe, as if someone had placed a bag over our heads, or shut off our air supply somehow. We would always wake up right before we died, hands on our throats as we coughed away the night terror. The mornings after these episodes, we would wake up to find Nanny had left us a note. We couldn't quite make out the scribbles, but we knew she wanted us to be happy and forget about the terrible shadows that haunted our minds. We would often tell our parents about Nanny and how she was so kind, leaving us notes in the night. They would usually comment on how feverish our imaginations were, also adding in how we needed to stop getting into the craft bin without asking. We eventually grew up and moved out of our family home, leaving poor Nanny behind. We could feel her sadness as we packed our bags on what would be our last night home. We moved into an apartment together in the east side of town, but we never forgot about our precious friend. Years later, I was going to write my college thesis on my childhood and how I was basically raised by a nanny. While looking up our family home, I stumbled across an article online written about the original family that lived there in 1915. A mother and father, two little ones, and their nanny. Our nanny. I began scanning the article more thoroughly. I was so excited to find out everything I could about the woman who had helped raise both my brother and myself. I thought maybe she missed the kiddos from the previous family and that's why she took such good care of us. I could not have been more wrong. I scanned the article, mortified at what I was reading. A lump began to form in the back of my throat as my heart sank deep into my chest. The article reported how the nanny had lost both of her children due to negligence of a drunk driver in 1913. Never having been able to properly cope with their deaths, she actively searched for the monster that had stolen her baby's lives. That is when she became employed by the Dobsons. On her journey for revenge, she had taken her time, caring for the monster's children as if they were her own, until that dreadful night when she murdered the two sleeping babies. She had smothered them with a pillow, most likely singing to them ever so sweetly, as she always did. After they had died, the article stated that the nanny 
had written what appeared to be a suicide letter and left it next to their bodies. She then killed herself. The article included a photo of the backyard in which my brother and I used to play. In the middle was the tree our fort had been built upon. As I looked closer, I noticed our treasure hole, only it looked different. It was covered in a deep crimson red that made my own blood run cold. Next to the tree was the lifeless body of our nanny, gun still in hand. I work at a hospital. I don't want to specify which one because of privacy reasons, but it's a big one and one of the oldest in the country. Specifically, I work in the RMI department, short for Release of Medical Information. What we do here is we provide medical records of patients to various people on request, per HIPAA law. If you aren't familiar, a patient can provide an authorization to allow someone else to look at their medical records. Most of the time, it's a family member like a spouse, sibling, or child for the recently deceased. It's the administrator of their estate. We also get a lot of authorizations and requests from doctors' offices and other places as their patients come and go. Being a hospital, we're open 24-7. Since other hospitals are also open 24-7, that means that we almost always happen to have someone on staff that can respond to these requests in case of an emergency in the middle of the night. That's me, the overnight records clerk. It's a pretty simple and honestly slow job. We have an electronic medical record, EMR for short. It was installed a long time before I was hired, probably 20 years or longer. It's pretty great though. It's basically our own internal Google for patient records. We don't even really use paper anymore. Every patient file since we installed it had been digital and searchable by name, date of birth, social security, etc. It really makes the job easy. It's got backups upon backups and it has pretty much made it so we'd never lose a single record. But seeing as how we're an old hospital, we still have a ton of old paper records too. They're all filed in this huge room down in the basement in the pre-Civil War part of the building. No one in my department has ever had gone down there. Requests for records that old never come in, so no one in the last 20 years probably never even had pulled one of them. In fact, I don't think I had even laid my eyes on the door of the old records room until the early morning hours today. I got a request for an old record from an estate lawyer's office that must have been burning the midnight oil. It was obviously non-emergent, but it was concerning the medical records of a patient that appears to have died before the Korean War. That, of itself, is pretty unusual. The resolution of someone's estate is usually done with, within a year or two of their passing. I had certainly never received or even heard of one lasting this long. However, it was accompanied with a single court order confirming the selection of a new executor of the deceased person's estate and it was signed by a judge, so it was the real deal. And besides, it's not like I had a lot going on anyways. So I hopped up from my desk and walked down the hall. That part of the building is pretty quiet at night. The admin wing and the accounting offices are all empty and dark. Passing by the front desk, there's not really any signs of life. There's a few souls walking around the cafeteria, mostly for the free coffee that 
tastes like garbage, but whatever. I ducked down a side hall and took the freight elevator because it's the only one that goes down to the maintenance level. It's a bad swipe elevator, so patients and family members can't use it by mistake. The maintenance level is pretty dimly lit at night. There's only about three ladies on staff and housekeeping, and I gave them a quick nod as I passed their break room. It's a slow night, so they're probably just as bored as me. It's kind of neat when you go from the new part of the building to the old. You can instantly tell the difference, especially in the basement. The newer gas lines stop where the old construction starts and curve back into the wall, taking a different route. Like the rest of the hallway, it's made of some ancient wood that has been stained beautifully dark. Despite its obvious age, it's gorgeous and seemed no worse for wear than it probably did when it was first built some 200 years ago. The brass knob turned at a touch and the door, while heavy, swung open almost effortlessly. I was immediately treated to a scent that was simultaneously woody, earthy, and antique, like a library filled with old books. It reminded me of what old parchment must smell like. It made my imagination picture relics of bygone days. Ahead of me, in dim electric light, stretched row after row after row of wooden shelves packed to the brim with old folders stuffed with paper, all neatly arranged in perfect clean lines. Wow. As I passed from row to row, I was in awe of how impossibly clean this room was. I guess maintenance really does their job well. Odd, because I can't even get them to vacuum my office on a regular basis. The record I was looking for had a name was fairly deep in the alphabet, so I had to walk a large number of rows just to find it. It was a common name too, which made it likely that I had to pull a lot of files to find the particular one I was looking for. Mentally, I braced myself for what might be a long night. My suspicions were soon proven correct. There must be a million James Smiths in America. It wasn't until I had ruled out a 20 individual records that I had figured out that something was wrong. And that's why I'm writing this, so you can know what I know now. The first several ones I ruled out were simple. Wrong date of birth, wrong social security number, wrong date of death, the usual stuff. But as I continued onwards, I noticed little things. Impossible things. This James Smith has a birth date of March 5th, 1735. That's before the hospital was even built, I thought to myself. This James Smith has a birth date of June 14th, 1657. That's before this was even a country. This James Smith has a birth date of the third day of September and the year of our Lord, 1461. That's before this was even the new world. I thought it was an elaborate prank for a while. I thought it was a hoax. Someone was pulling a fast one on me. I laughed nervously to the room and the pile of papers around me. I started looking around for cameras. <laughs> Good one, I said out loud. Very funny. Then I came across one with the time of death declared at 1326 hours on Tuesday, January 7th, 2020. That's ridiculous. Very, very funny, 
I tried to cover up the growling nervousness in my voice. Okay, fine. Whoever did this couldn't have possibly done it for everyone. I went to the next row and pulled a file at random. Smith, Jan, K. Born. April 5th, 2022. I spun around and grabbed another file. Smith, Jane, Rebecca. Born March 2nd, 1679. Not possible. I could feel my mouth going dry. I shoved the two files back into place with shaky hands and walked down to the T-section. No one would possibly place that many files for a prank, right? Thomas Aaron B. 7-23-2023 Thomas Aaron B. 9-11-2001 Thomas Aaron B. 2-4-13-12 This is a perfectly reasonable, logical explanation for this. My mind was reeling, but... What? I left that row and wandered down several other intersecting rows blankly as my mind raced. Impossible dates, impossible scenarios. How is there a medical record here of someone who died very obviously some other place and some other time? It's completely logically impossible. It's completely logically impossible. Okay, uh, so people from all over, from dates all over the calendar, maybe try someone famous. I raced to the H section, listening to the strange echoing sound that my footsteps made on the wooden floor. I did a report on him when I was still in school. I own every album, I watched every documentary, I dressed like him for Halloween last year. I know as much as you can possibly know about him. There is no conceivable reason he should have a medical record here. I dashed down the long row labeled HIN and thumbed through tabs as quickly as I could until... James Marshall Hendricks. Date of birth, November 27th, 1942. Date of death, September 18th, 1970, at St. Mary's Hospital, Kensington, London, England. This should not be here. The file fell from my hands. Why is this here? Papers scattered across the floor, papers that didn't belong in this building. I could see his death certificate. I could see the doctor's signature. Impossible. On July 15, 2005, my father died in front of me of a brain aneurysm in our family home halfway across the country. I am certain he's never been in this building his entire life, but his file is here. The truth is sinking in. Everyone that's ever lived or is living or is ever going to live, their files are somehow impossibly in this room. Everything about their medical history, their birth, their vaccination records, their regular checkups, their illnesses, their cause of death, everything. Even if it hasn't happened yet. I've been in here for hours now. I must have looked at 10,000 files. I, I don't know how. It's impossible. Yet in front of my eyes and all around me, here it is. A complete record of humanity. Everyone you've ever known, met, hated, or loved. There are names in here that are in different alphabets. There are dates in here that are not even on our calendar. There are places listed that I've never heard of. Your record is somewhere in here too, and so is mine. Everyone you'll ever know, all that have come before you, and all that ever will be, they're all here. This is impossible, except it's not. Only one more problem. Where's the door?